a mystery meeting at 3.30, the exact time Jimmy is supposed to be home. This better be worth it. Kind of like how when you stare into the infinite sky on a clear day, you might not see anything. But it's rewarding to wait until clouds come to fill the void with something engaging to observe. This is the sixth and final installment in the Cold War Conundrum. Let's take a listen to find out how Jimmy gets out of this one. Chapter 6 At lunch, Jimmy found Cindy counting daisies in the baseball field, adorned with a daisy chain on her head like a flower halo. She was meandering about in left field like a kid whose parents signed them up for baseball, even though they didn't want to play. Jimmy was trying to play this right, so he didn't have any more surprises, though. Once she saw him, she ran up and gave him a big old hug. Fan of flowers, are you? Oh, Jimmy, I heard the Bowery brothers grabbed you from the bus yard. Why didn't you tell me last night? I've been busy figuring out a game of chess with an old friend of mine. Have you figured out where my globe is? I think so, but this time I need you to accompany me to the pickup spot. Last time I went alone, I got thumped. You want me there? Yeah, darling. 3.30 right on the dot. You know the place. I won't be much help if the Bowery brothers are there. Two on two is better than nothing, even if those two could play offensive line by themselves. Jimmy turned and headed off the field to the last class he had all day. All he had to do now was wait. Wait for that bell to ring. Waiting was something Jimmy hated to do. Like waiting for a book to be returned to the library. Sometimes Jimmy waited ages knowing that the adults that checked them out didn't have his reading speed of 290 words a minute. He needed to act like his heroes Marlowe and Spade with a little restraint. Most time the crooks will close their own final curtain almost eager to get caught. Just have some patience. Then he would finally get somewhere with this case. Jimmy's last class was world history, a class that he actually liked. He got to learn about old world leaders and how they ran their states. He also got to learn about the things that got them in trouble and how leaders could lose an entire country. This afternoon, the teacher, Dr. Spiegler, a thin and short man with a sharp face and sharp goatee to match, was discussing land around the world that caused issues with two different countries. Take the Barrow Hartag, for example, said the doctor in a dry tone. There are houses and businesses on that piece of land on the Belgian and Dutch border. Jimmy stared at the clock. It was almost there as the second hand clicked away towards three. Time went slowly and held on to each syllable spoken by the deadpan doctor. He should have also thrown Luxembourg in there, too, just to make the time move slower for Jimmy. Luxembourg. No matter. Jimmy was hardly paying attention anyways. His mind was locked onto one thing. Half the house abides by the Dutch laws and the other half abides by the... Right in the middle of Spiegler's sentence, the bell threw out its piercing noise of freedom. No one paid any attention to the doctor, not even Jimmy as the whole class shot up and headed for the door. Read chapter 13 tonight. There could be a pop quiz... Jimmy heard the doctor's flat voice try something different for a change as he hung on to his Z for far too long. Though Jimmy paid no mind, he had a mission to complete. He ran out trying to beat the other kids to the pickup spot. When Jimmy got to the bus depot, it was totally empty. All he could hear was the rambling of old Joe. Jimmy followed the sound and found his man organizing old tires. Old Joe. Jimmy, it's been a while since I've seen you. 
I'm sorry, but I got no time to catch up. There are going to be a bunch of kids coming around, and I suspect that you don't want to be here. I wouldn't say that I do. Jimmy fished two quarters out of his pocket and handed them to Old Joe. Take a break and get yourself a soda. Old Joe took the quarters and took off. Jimmy went to the mail room where the interlibrary mail was held. He fished around for a bit and found a box with the same Russian word from that note that was passed to him in the hall, written on top. He opened it up and pulled out an old globe, one with the USSR still intact. Jimmy had the game set. He just had to wait for the players. Cindy showed up first. He knew she would. That cool, calm air that spilled around her was gone. She didn't know what to expect. She was a little scared. Jimmy came out from his enclave with charm and poise. I've got a question for you. Is that my globe? I'm the one asking questions here. Why did you hire me? What do you mean, Jimmy? She said in a nervous tone. You could have any schmuck do your dirty work for you. Why me? She paced around for a second, her golden curls bobbing in the low bask of the afternoon sunlight. How did you figure it out? It wasn't that I exactly believed you when I got hired. I believed that $5 bill and a chance to work a real case. You paid enough to put some stars in my eyes, and your luck was just enough to put some butterflies in my stomach. But an old friend of yours let it slip that there was no essay writing contest. Cindy turned away. I chose you. You were the perfect fella to take the fall if anything didn't pan out right. After that fight, I know you go down for anyone. I know, darling. I just needed to hear it from your lips. Right then, Thursby showed up with the Bowery brothers, dragging in tow. I'm glad we have our happy family here in one place, said Jimmy. Thursby took one look at the globe in Jimmy's hands. I see you found my old friend Cindy. Question is, why have you brought her here? Because I'm no schmuck. I knew something was funny when this little blonde asked me to pick up a globe, but I set it all aside to work a real case. Though, it was even funnier when I was thumped and woke up in these goons' garage. The punchline was, when you asked me to work for you, Thursby, Jimmy held up the globe. There was no way all this fuss was over an old globe. Achoo! The kids turned to see Jenner scuttling about the bus depot while wiping his nose with a hanky. Jenner, over here, said Jimmy. Jenner met the young crowd. What's this all about? This said Jimmy as he held out the globe. An old globe from the Cold War era? Not exactly. Jimmy threw the relic on the ground and it shattered into pieces. Everyone gasped at what was on the ground. A copy of the teacher's edition for the state standardized test. Well, I'll be, said Jenner. Our man Thursby here nicked the test answers when he got friendly with teachers at his last school. The same school Cindy Beale here went to. Cindy stole the answers from Thursby to help her out on the test that she had flunked just a year prior. But her parents made her switch schools. So, she hid the answers in this globe and had them shipped via inter-school delivery. Thursby got the tip and followed her here. That's where I got mixed up in the trouble. Cindy here hired me to pick up the globe, but it was fake to draw out Thursby. Jenner looked surprised. And these two? He said, pointing to the Bowery brothers. Just a couple of local thugs Thursby hired to get the package back. But they're a little too thick to figure out some simple puzzles. They took Cindy's bait and thumped me when I picked up the decoy. Thursby and team were still looking for the package when they tried to hire me to find it for them. They thought I'd do a good old double cross, but that goes against my code. And now, here we all are. The bad, the bad, a couple that can't count past their own toes, and the missing test answers. It just took me a couple lessons in chess to piece this all together. Jenner looked stunned. 
not just from how everything unraveled, but that a kid he threatened to put on work duty figured it out and helped him get the missing test answers. Oh, and there's a kid in the nurse's office who can't walk straight. Don't know how he fixes into this whole mess, but I'm sure the Bowery brothers had something to do with it, said Jimmy. Was it Freddy? Asked Cindy. Yeah, that kid Freddy the Fence, the one who always hangs out by the school's back fence. We gave him an atomic wedgie after Thursby found out that he was setting up to move some copies of the test answers for you, said one of the Bowery brothers. You idiots! Jimmy had nothing but hearsay, nothing concrete, and you basically copped to the whole thing, yelled Thursby. That's it. You all know that studying is the only way to get good grades. I need to see you four in my office immediately, said Jenner. Jimmy turned to the girl. I'm sorry it had to be like this. Pretty girls like you don't do well on restriction. You'll never find a frilly like me, Jimmy, replied Cindy. Jimmy silently chuckled with a little smirk, then turned and walked off into the distance. Jenner yelled out, Jimmy, where are you going? It's well past 3.30, and I have a date with a frilly that won't be too happy I'm late. The end. There we have it. It was all for some test answers. It confused Jimmy for a while. Those kids should have been studying facts like 67% of the Earth's surface is covered in clouds if they wanted to do well on that standardized test instead of stealing in general thuggery. Now Jimmy has to go home and face his parents. Hopefully, Jenner puts in a good word for him and gets his sentence reduced. That's it for now, until the next mystery. And remember, stay safe, young detectives. And remember to stay tuned for new and forthcoming stories from Almost Something Radio. Get Knotted by Ruby Hornswatter. Small Potatoes and His Gang of Miniature Root Vegetables by Charles Crow. Done Gone Away by Toby Beltbuckle. The Hapless Fetch by Samantha Watershed. And My Missing Hand by Bradley Robinson. <laughs>